1: woke up this morning, and brushed their teeth. How many? How many come on, tell me, tell me the truth. Tell me the truth. You didn't? No, the guy behind you. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't brush your teeth today? Oh, that's too bad. Well, years ago, we had a mystery in our home. Every time I went to brush my teeth, my toothbrush was wet. Yeah. It was not a good thing. So I called my wife over, my twins over, Clint. If you're new here, my son Clint was born with Down syndrome. And um, I said to my wife, honey, are you using my toothbrush? Honey, I have two toothbrushes. I'm not using your toothbrush. I would not use your toothbrush. It's kind of gross thinking about, it. no, I'm not. The twin, my twin daughters, Katrina, Christina... Are you using your father's toothbrush? Oh, Dad! How gross! Gag! That's terrible! No, he would not use your toothbrush, Clint. Are you brushing your teeth with my toothbrush? Mm-mm. Clint. Mm-mm. So, a couple of weeks went by, and it's still wet all the time. I can't believe it. I. Was going home to check out a window that needed replaced. A man was with me there. I was going down the hallway, and I looked, and there's Clint in the uh, bathroom, and he's got his Burt doll. You know Burt and Ernie? How many you know Burt and Ernie? Okay. Uh, Burt Ernie. You know Burt and Ernie? Yeah. Uh, Why well, are you, how come you're not raising your hand? What's going on with you? Come on, man. All right. And so anyway, uh, everything my wife would teach my son, Clint, Clint would teach Burt. And so he would pretend like, you know, uh, whatever he, she taught him, he would pretend like teaching Bert. And so my wife was trying to get Clint. He had no problem brushing his teeth, but every time he brushed his teeth, instead of spitting out the residue, he would swallow it. Yeah, not a good thing for singing, right? And so anyway, uh, so my, my wife is trying to get Clint. And so Clint is now in there. In the restroom, in the bathroom, and he's uh, doing something with Bert. I really wasn't paying attention to what he was doing. Uh, I went, went to check out the window, came back, and I just stood there for a minute, and I watched Clint. Sure enough, my toothbrush. No, he wasn't using it. He was using it on Bert. And he started brushing Bert's teeth, which he didn't have teeth, but brushing the teeth. And then he would put them over the toilet, and he would say, All right, Bert, spit. And so then he would make a noise, spit, spit. And then he took my toothbrush and went around and around the toilet. And I spit for six weeks, at least six weeks. And my wife didn't kiss me for about six weeks. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, anyway, it was bad. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. Let's all stand. going to read a few verses out of Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21, verse number 17. And he left them and went out of the city into Bethany, and he lodged there. Now in the morning, as he returned into the city, he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon, but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on the henceforward forever. And presently the fig tree withered away." And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye, it shall be done. Heavenly Father, again, we come before your throne of grace thanking for the access that we have into the very throne room. Father, we're so thankful for your wonderful love. Father, we're so thankful for our salvation. We're thankful for the common bond that we have because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Father, I pray you'd bless this chapel time. Father, give us truth that we can use even now. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. There are times in our lives when we realize we just do not have the emotional, the physical, the financial resources to do what's needed uh, to to get on the other side of a mountain of problems. Uh, Before Calvary, Jesus gave the disciples a lesson on handling problems, on moving mountains. Many times in our lives, uh, instead of praying, we panic or we pout. Instead of bowing our knees, we rambunctiously run through life and uh, looking for answers that we seemingly can never find. Instead of going to God, uh, we wring out our hands and end up standing under the shadow of of a giant mountain, of an insurmountable mountain. After the disciples saw the fig tree wither, they said in verse number 20, How soon is the fig tree withereth away. In other words, it was fast. And then we see Jesus' statement, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, this is a testimony of how important our faith is to God, and how important we should recognize how important that prayer is to. Uh, us to have God's help with us in those problems of life. Jesus was saying that faith in prayer can give us what we can never get on our own. Metaphorically, the difficulties in life are pictured as this mountain. Then Jesus answers or adds in verse 22, and all things, whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. Now, prayer is more than just uh, hopes and wishes. The prayer of faith really works. It's powerful because we're connecting with God. How is your prayer life today? Just ask yourself, how is my prayer life? Is my prayer life the kind of prayer life that can move a mountain? Is my prayer life a prayer life that can move a big hill? Is my prayer life a prayer life that could move a foothill? Or is my prayer life a prayer life that couldn't even move a molehill? Many of us are in the shadow of at least one mountain. We've got some problem that we'd like to see out of our lives. Have you ever stood in the shadow of a mountain wondering, how in the world can I get out of this shadow? How can I see sunlight again? I I need this mountain moved or I need to get around this mountain somehow. Have you grown accustomed to the shadow or to the darkness of that mountain? Do you, in your prayer, by thinking, what's the use? I've prayed so many times, what's the use? Well, first, as we look at how we can move the mountain, we need to recognize that we have to have the right focus. Matthew chapter 21 and verses 21 and 22, prayer. The Bible says in verse number 22, in all things, whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer. In prayer, uh, addressing or communicating to God. Hebrews chapter 4, if you have your Bibles turned there, Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Now, let me ask you for a second, uh, I, let me ask you just, just for a second, I'd like you to just think, when you go to prayer, what do you see? What do you see behind your eyelids? How, how, how do you approach the throne of God? Now, I, I'm, I'm serious as can be. How do you see God? Our focus is so very important. It's so very important that we're not rushing in to the throne room and rushing out or sometimes just rushing to pray some rope prayer that we prayed many times and really never take the time to recognize that we're in the presence of God. So very important. Now, I do have an imagination. My mom said, oh, Douglas, you've had imagination your whole life. And so it's easier for me to picture that throne room perhaps than it is for you but I've been there a lot I'm getting very old and I recognize that my son Clint's even calling me an old man now that's not good because I don't feel old I walk old because I've got bad knees but I mean it's bad to get old I remember not long ago I was preaching and someone uh uh, heard me say something about Clint watching the Beverly Hillbillies. How many have ever watched the Beverly Hillbillies? Okay, shame on you. But anyway, uh, they sent Clint all the DVDs of the Beverly Hillbillies. So Clint comes in every night, and he gives us a goodnight kiss. And um, he walks over to my side of the bed, and he says to me, Good night, Jed. How many of you know who Jed is, right? Right, Jed? He's the, he's the dad. And then he walks back around to the, or the uncle, and then he walks back around the bed. And, oh, and I said, Good night, Jethro. I knew exactly what he wanted. And so then he walks around the bed, and he goes over to, to my wife's side of the bed, and he gives her a kiss. And, and then he walks back around the bed, and he says, Good night, Granny. My wife, I've never seen her move so fast. She popped up in that bed, she said, How about Ellie Mae? And he said, uh-uh, granny. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I know. As, as I get older, that throne room becomes even more special. Faith comes from focusing on what God can do. I'm challenged to shift the focus of prayer on God's ability instead of on the mountain or the problem. When I was a little guy, uh, on Sunday mornings, the oldest is six, on Sunday mornings, um, <clears throat> we had to be in the car when my dad said, all right, five-minute warning, and everybody had to be in that car. Well, we had play shoes and and gym shoes, that's what we called them in those days, and we had dress shoes. And so I could not find one of my dress shoes. And so I'm about, what, 10 years old or so, and I'm looking all over for the dress shoe, and I can't find it. I know I've got to get the dress shoe because there's going to be a severe penalty if I don't get the dress shoe. And so I'm looking all over. I can't find it. I looked underneath the bed. I looked everywhere. Finally, I dropped to my knees, and I said, dear Lord, if you will help me find my dress shoe, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. Little did I know that that meant Saginaw, Michigan. But anyway... I'm serious. I opened my eyes. I looked right over there, just sticking out from underneath the bed that I just checked was my shoe. An angel brought that shoe from heaven. That shoe was always a little newer than my other shoe. But anyway, (laughs) truth of the matter is, even as a little guy, I realized God was in control. Instead of Focusing our attention on the mountain, focus your attention on the mountain mover. Walk into the throne room, see his character. See him in his glory, see his power. Recognize his grace, understand his faithfulness, his sufficiency. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You know, Paul does not list his infirmities. He just uses the word infirmities. He never told us what his thorn in the flesh was. It was just the thorn in the flesh. Paul was not trying to be some superhero writing these. He was writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. None of us are superheroes. We all need God's strength in our lives. We all need to be able to walk into the throne room and bow our heads and recognize that's the almighty God. The famous prize fighter Cassius Clay, who changed his name to Muhammad Ali, was seated on a plane just before takeoff when the stewardess said, please buckle your seatbelt. Then he retorted, Superman don't need no seatbelt. Then the stewardess said, Superman don't need no airplane either. Now buckle your seatbelt. When it comes to living the Christian life, nobody's a Superman. We're all utterly dependent upon God's power and upon his strength. How do you pray a prayer so filled with faith that it can move a mountain? By shifting the focus from the size of the mountain to the sufficiency of the mountain mover. Israel's warriors were looking down on the field. And there they saw the nine-foot Goliath. And those Israelite warriors were all nervous. What can we do? How could we ever conquer him? And then little David comes. And he looks at that giant, and he doesn't see the giant beating him, but he sees the giant falling to God. Is there not a cause, he says in 1 Samuel 17, the Lord will deliver us out of the hand of the Philistines. Is there not a cause? Folks, today recognize whatever that mountain may be, whatever that problem may be, God is in control. God is in control. Ephesians 3.20, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. It's been now 20 years ago but Clint had life-saving surgery. We had been on vacation and he had had a problem with his stomach and we didn't know exactly what was wrong and we rushed him to the hospital and and the doctors uh, brought in more doctors and After a period of time they brought in more specialists and they couldn't figure it out. They tried to put a scope down him, but they couldn't get the scope down his throat. And and so they said, We've got just a little time here. We're we're gonna have to do some exploratory surgery. So one of the best surgeons in our area said, We we need to pray. And we prayed. People were praying, our church they were praying. They would call their friends and their family members and missionaries were praying and many of my friends were praying and we're praying for God to intervene. God, only you can do, only you can do what the doctors can't do. You're the great physician. You're a heavenly father and he did. I don't have time to tell you all the details but it's absolutely amazing to see how God took care of that surgery, that surgeon, if you were to talk to him today, that surgeon was uh, a a really good man. He even came to our church after the surgery to hear Clint quote Luke 2. That surgeon was standing outside of Clint's intensive care room with a bunch of other doctors and nurses, and he said, you know, we've had the opportunity to care for one of God's angels. (laughs) As I heard that, my eyes filled with Tears and I thank God for answered prayer. By the way, God still answers prayer. And by the way, we need to keep our focus on who answers prayer, and that would be God. We must pray with fervency. Jesus said, Let no fruit grow on henceforward forever. And presently, the fig tree withered. Wow. The fig tree withered right away. And and, and the disciples, they saw it and they said, wow. No, actually, they said, the, the Bible says they marveled. But fervency in that prayer. You know, a lot of prayers are pitiful because they lack a passion for God. I would encourage you today, think about your prayer life. For some of you that are praying in public, think about how you pray. Are you giving God the honor he deserves when you pray? Passion for God. Enthusiasm for God's power. Great verse on fervency is in James chapter 5, verse number 16. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And Then verse 17. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. I love that verse. Psych- uh, 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 a man uh, that was subject to like passions as we are, he's just a normal guy, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. What a great illustration! Then, in First Kings chapter eighteen, we hear that prayer. Ready? Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Ah, fervent prayer. The Bible calls it a fervent prayer. He prayed with great energy and enthusiasm, both for God to send fire from heaven to devour the sacrifice, the sacrifice that they put on the altar, the sacrifice they had soaked and... Ask God to bring rain to end the drought. He prayed, faith-believing, passionately he prayed. And James says that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The fire came and the rain came. 1 John five fourteen, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us A fervency. We have a fervency for, what, sports. Uh, <clears throat> we have a fervency for boyfriend and girlfriend. Uh, Want to see them. You get done with your homework so you can rush and go see them. We have a fervency for uh, money. Huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, cash. Yeah, yeah, money. Uh, we have a fervency for a lot of things. We need to have a fervency in our prayer life. We need to be passionate about our prayer life. We need to be passionate about going to the very throne room of God, recognizing that God can help us through life. God can help us with the mountains that are in front of us, that shadow us from the sunshine. Fervent prayer, zealous, fervent heat, the word fervent, great heat, effectual fervent, fervency. Then we see the follow-through. Now, this is so very important. I want to park here for just a second. Verse number 22. Do you see the word believing? Say it with me, everyone. Believing. 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 That's the follow-through. Mountain-moving prayer has that element. I want everybody saying it. Or the person next to you, tell them. Believing. Go ahead, tell them. Believing. Tell them again. Believing. A little bit louder. Tell them again. That's the follow through in prayer. In other words, God gives us the greater faith as we believe and as we walk with him. Believing, not doubting. Faith, not in my resources, but in his. Faith, not in my education, but his. Faith, not in my ability, not in my cash. Faith, God Answers, prayer. How do you pray a prayer so filled with faith that it can move a mountain? By shifting the focus from the size of the mountain to the mountain mover. God is in control. It's not intellectual. It's not mechanical. It's not emotional or emotionally driven. It's simple faith. Believing what God said he would do. Focus, fervency, and follow through. So, so very important. Why? Because prayer is important.
0: You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College. Empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.